Hey everybody, good news, good news. I know things have been a little tough lately, what with the 20 month lockdown and the supply chain crisis and the energy crisis and the historic levels of inflation, but we finally got some good news. The average price of a gallon of gas went down two cents this week. And the Democrats are bragging about this. The Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, DCCC, posted a graph to Twitter showing a steep decline in the price of gas. You can see the slope goes way, way down. The problem is that the whole y-axis of the graph, you know, on the left, only covers four cents. <laughs> so it's not zero to three dollars and forty cents. It's 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 three dollars and thirty-seven and a half cents to $3.41 and a half cents. And then the drop is, is only two cents, even though gas has gone up by more than a dollar since Joe Biden took office. This reminds me of the White House bragging about the average cost of a 4th of July barbecue decreasing by 16 cents on his watch. That seems like a lot now compared to the amount that gas has gone down. Pretty pathetic, but it's the best accomplishment that they can point to. And if the polls are any indication, the American people are taking note. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from the Red Outlaw, who says, the Democrats' only argument for abortion is no take backsies. That is actually a more articulate version of the case that the pro-abortion lawyer made at the Supreme Court the other day. Couldn't point to the Constitution, couldn't point to law, couldn't make a moral argument, just said, well, hey, they made this decision 50 years ago and then 30 years ago. No take backsies. That's stare decisis precedent. No take backsies. Not a very compelling legal argument. You know, we got to protect ourselves, folks. We got to protect our country. We got to protect our homes, which is why I would recommend you check out Ring. You know about the Ring Video Doorbell, right? Because I've been talking about it for, uh, I don't know, five years now. The Ring Video Doorbell that lets you see and speak to whoever is at your door, whether it's a pizza delivery guy or the package delivery guy or your mother-in-law. And whether you're in the house or outside the house, you can make a, an informed decision on whether or not to open that door. Might be different for different people. Well, did you know Ring has a powerful alarm system? They've got an award-winning, powerful, affordable home security system that you can easily install yourself. More than just security, by the way, protects your home from flood, freeze, and fire as well. Way cheaper than the other companies. For just one month of the other companies' charges, you can get an entire year of ring alarm with professional monitoring. It gives me peace of mind, especially I'm on the road a fair bit, sometimes with the wife and the baby, sometimes without. And it just gives me, gives me peace of mind. Let it give you peace of mind too. This holiday season, deck the halls, walls, doors and windows with the best deals of the year on the award-winning ring alarm. Go to ring.com slash Knowles to get a great deal on the ring alarm security kit today. Ring.com slash Knowles. Gas has gone down by two cents. Merry Christmas. Guess Christmas came early for you, you grumbling ingrates. And uh, by the way, if you are having trouble affording presents for your family this Christmas season or finding presents even with the supply chain crisis, why then you can just join in the novel strategy that appears to be very successful that a lot of people in Democrat cities around the country are doing, which is putting on ski masks and busting into stores and stealing everything. 
And the, the great news about that strategy is that if you do it, you, as long as you're a member of a favored group, you, you almost certainly will not be prosecuted for it. Uh, people will just look on as it happens and then let you get away with all of the stuff. Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, was asked about this strange phenomenon of uh, people busting into stores, sometimes in broad daylight, and just stealing everything out of the store, and the cops don't do anything, and the DAs don't do anything. Even the security guards in the stores aren't really allowed to do anything. And uh, Jen Psaki was asked, what exactly is causing this spate of crimes? So when a huge group of criminals organizes themselves and they want to go loot a store, a CVS, a Nordstrom, a Home Depot, until the shelves are clean, you think that's because of the pandemic? I think a root cause in a lot of communities is the pandemic, yes. This is why the root cause of criminals organizing into gangs and stealing everything from toiletries to Gucci handbags and everything in the middle and television sets and everything, sneakers, is because of the pandemic. The pandemic, when the government just paid people to sit at home and not do any work. That's, that's why. Because I'm sure all of these criminals were really productive members of society before 2021. And just they're just down on their luck. And that's why they've got to make out with a cart full of Gucci handbags after throwing a rock through a window, right? The, the problem with Jen Psaki's analysis here, other than the manifest dishonesty and insincerity, <laughs> is, is if she at all believes what she's saying, and I think the Democrats to some degree do, they are taking the material view of man. Barack Obama used to do this. They would say, hey, Obama, how come things are so bad in Syria and Iraq and they seem to be getting worse actually on your, on your watch? And Barack Obama would say, well, it's because they don't have iPhones. It's because they don't have enough jobs. But once we get them higher paying jobs and once we get them iPhones and once we get them all the gizmos of American culture, then they'll stop waging jihad. And it's a mistake that not only the modern American left makes, it's actually a mistake that goes all the way back to the foundations of liberalism, even classical liberalism or whatever you want to call it. This goes back centuries. It's the mistaken view of man as primarily an economic being, right? The idea that stuff is the main thing that motivates us. That's what a, most of our modern society is based on, on the left and on the right. And on the left, you see this with communism. Once the people's material needs are met, then we'll all live in utopia. And with capitalism, you see the, all people are really motivated by is just making more money and buying more gizmos and having more stuff. But I don't think that's true. I don't think that men are, even, are entirely or even primarily motivated by stuff. I think that we're motivated by dignity, by spirit, by morality, by affection for our neighbors, by a sense of loyalty and duty to our community, all the way up to, to God. I think we're motivated by a lot of different things. I don't think that we are primarily just stuff. You know, I think we're stuff, but we're also spirit. And I don't think that this is going to solve our problems. We are more than just consumers. Look at the West, the decadent West, which has all of our material needs met is burning our, our countries down. We are, we are collapsing. It's not because we're not rich enough. The, the biggest problem afflicting the poor in America is obesity. We've got a lot of stuff. But because we're viewing ourselves primarily as economic actors rather than spiritual or metaphysical actors, then we're, we're losing sense of what really matters in society. 
we're going kooky. I mean, our countries are falling apart. Right now, all of the rights, the traditions, the way of life that we have cherished in this country for a very long time are disappearing before our eyes, and the ruling class is telling us they're doing it. Joe Biden's COVID czar went on MSNBC yesterday and was asked, after all of these measures, after two years of two weeks to slow the spread, do you think that we will have vaccine passports, not just to go into the restaurant, not just for international travel, but for domestic travel as well? And the COVID czar says, yeah, maybe. Why the hesitancy to require proof of vaccination for domestic travel? That's something that especially with the rise of this new variant, we've talked to a number of public health experts, including some who advise the administration, uh, who say that is, in their estimation, the very next step that should be taken uh, to try to prevent further spread. Well, we do, as I talked about, have those tight requirements on the international travel. We have the workplace requirements. Jonathan will continue to look at all options and everything's on the table. We're going to look at all options and everything's on the table. Of course it is. There are a lot of conservatives and even liberals in America who say, oh no, that couldn't happen here. We're not going to take off the tinfoil hat, Alex Jones. Okay. We're, you're not going to have to show your passport to get on a domestic flight. You're not going to be just locked in and quarantined in your state or hometown because you don't want to take the Fauci out for the virus that poses very little threat to the vast majority of people. It's already happening. It's happening in Canada right now. Canada's passing these rules. Look at what's going on in Australia. We played a clip yesterday of a news report that some men tried to flee a quarantine COVID camp in, in Australia. And they basically sent in the Marines. There, there were cops everywhere looking for these fugitives who escaped the prison camp that they were in to prevent them from breathing the same air as other people. It is happening right now. The only reason that you think it can't happen is because of a failure of imagination. And this is something, we mentioned it a little bit yesterday, this is something that the right needs to get better at understanding. The left has no failure of, in, of imagination. The left has gone from the Democratic presidential candidate in 2011, all of the Democratic presidential candidates, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, all the ones before them, Joe Biden, then the vice president, them saying that marriage is a sacred union between a man and a woman, man and a woman, which are hard and fast sexes that cannot be changed. We went from that 10 years ago to marriage is completely redefined. Sex is completely redefined for the purpose of the Civil Rights Act. And there's no such thing as same-sex bathrooms increasingly at any institution in America. The left did that in 10 years. They fundamentally redefined reality and convinced basically the whole country to live in a delusion. 10 years ago, what were the conservatives saying? Oh, come on. The, some of us were saying this is a slippery slope. Here's what it's going to lead to. But a lot of people on the squishy side and the moderate side and even the moderate liberals said, oh, come on, that's never going to happen. It's never going to happen, but it is. And I think conservatives need to be a little more imaginative too, especially on Roe v. Wade. We've been so narrow. We've said all that we're going to do on Roe v. Wade is overrule the case. And then maybe at that point, you know, it'll go back to the States and we're just going to leave it there. No, we're not. We want to ban it throughout the country. We can ban it throughout the country. We can do it. <laughs> Don't learn a lesson from the left. These, the left has taken so much more power than you ever thought possible over the past year as a, during the COVID crisis. 
and more broadly over the past half century. Why can't we do that too? Part of the reason we can't is because we don't have a lot of physical assets. And when you want a physical asset, you've got to check out Acre Gold. Get physical gold. I know when I say that, it sounds like I'm Paris Hilton just just wearing one of those tank tops that says, stop being poor. You know, get physical gold, Michael. You get physical. Physical gold's expensive. What if I told you you can start getting physical gold for as little as $30 a month? You'd probably call me a liar, but hold on. Acre has figured out how for just $30 a month, you can subscribe to their gold bars. When your gold stash reaches the price of their gold bars, they discreetly ship Acre gold to your house. If you want to up the ante, you can subscribe to their new $100 a month five gram gold bar, which is terrific. Acres letting you invest in physical gold without coming out of pocket all at once. They keep you updated on your gold stash every month, and then they'll ship when you hit the price threshold. It's a really great way to start getting involved in physical precious metals, which I've loved investing in and especially Acre Gold. Go to getacregold.com slash Start investing in physical gold today. Make sure you go to this URL because Acre is giving away a gold bar. To qualify for the giveaway, tweet or post why you should be the recipient and mention at get underscore Acre. That's getacregold.com slash Knowles. Dr. Fauci, the high exalted leader of America and the world, is continuing to run the show. Joe Biden actually made a joke about this yesterday. He was, <laughs> do we have the clip? Joe Biden was talking about how, how he sees Dr. Fauci more than he sees his wife. And he was asking, hey, who, who's the real president here? I've seen more <laughs> of Dr. Fauci than I have my wife. We kid each other, but uh, they look, who's president? Fauci. Um, but all kidding aside, I, I sincerely mean it. All kidding. All, all kidding aside, I sincerely mean it. I sincerely mean it too, Joe Biden. Yeah, Dr. Fauci is the president. He's got more power than you do. It is much more likely that you will be thrown out of your job, Joe Biden, than that Dr. Fauci will. Seven presidents have come along. Dr. Fauci has remained. All right. And he'll probably remain into the next one too. So in these jokes, there's a lot of truth. And uh, Dr. Fauci is still running the show. He was asked yesterday about these requirements. So hold on. You're going to require proof of vaccination, at least for some air travel, for anyone who wants to get into the country. The Omicron is threatening the entire world. All cower in fear from the Omicron. Hey, what about all those illegals pouring across the border? As you advise the president about the possibility of new testing requirements for people coming into this country, does that include everybody? The answer is yes, because you know that the new uh, uh, the new uh, uh, regulation, if you want to call it that, is that anybody and everybody who's coming into the country needs to get a test within 24 hours of getting on the plane to come here. But what about people who don't take a plane and just these border crossers coming in in huge numbers? You know, that's a different issue. For example, when you talk, we still have Title 42 with regard to protection at the border. So there are protections at the border that you don't have the capability, as you know, of somebody getting on a plane, getting checked, looking at a passport. We don't have that there, but we can get some degree of mitigation. This is great stuff from Peter Ducey. He's got a lot of wins in the White House briefing room, but this one was great because he just lured Fauci in. He said, so Dr. Fauci, you're telling me that these new testing requirements are going to be for everybody. Absolutely, Peter. They're for everybody, for every single person, because Omicron is a big, scary thing and we got to stop it. So everyone has to submit to these new rules. Okay, 
What about the thousands of illegals pouring across the border every single day? Well, that's a different issue. <laughs> what do you mean that's a different issue? <laughs> There's like a million of them coming up, more than a million of them. I think in August, there were more than a million illegal aliens who poured across the border that we're not really processing and it's all haphazard and a lot of them are not getting caught. More than, a, what are we going to have? Two million people pouring across the border this way? So you're saying, you're saying that for the I don't know, let's say million legal immigrants who come over, they need all the testing, they need all the requirements. Let's say for the countless millions of travelers that are coming back and forth, uh, testing, requirements, heavy screening, but the two million foreign nationals that we know absolutely nothing about from impoverished, often failed, semi-failed states, that it doesn't matter, no big deal. Yeah, that's a different issue, Peter. I think he's giving away the game here. Okay, these rules are completely arbitrary. They have very little to do with public health. They have everything to do with controlling you. They don't really believe this stuff. Joe Biden the other day, I was going to get to this later, but I I guess it really fits in now. Joe Biden the other day was caught in a store that required masks walking around without a mask on. There's a clip of it. There's a clip. You can actually see being filmed through a glass doorway that says required face covering. Like right next to it, you see Joe Biden walking around without his face covering on. And here's here's another gotcha video. Well, it's a gotcha video for a purpose. Because yeah, I think that the required face covering is BS. When I see it in stores, I don't follow it. When I'm walking around an airport, I don't follow it. I don't pay any attention. Very rarely does anyone bother me because no one takes this seriously, including and especially the people who are forcing these rules on you. But they're still going to force them on you because it's an arbitrary exercise of power and their power has grown immeasurably over the past two years and it's going to continue to grow. And you're not allowed to ask any questions about it. Speaking of things you're not allowed to ask about, Whoopi Goldberg is very upset by the prospect of overruling Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey. And she took to her panel of cackling hens on The View to voice her main arguments against the very real possibility that Roe will be overturned. Do any of you men have any eggs or the possibility of carrying a fetus? How dare you talk about what a fetus wants? You have no idea. Now, I'm I'm fine if you disagree with abortion. I have no problem with that. My problem comes when you tell me what I need to do with my doctor and my family. How dare you? So a lot of confusion and problems with Whoopi's pseudo argument here. The first, the first one is she just hasn't caught up to this because she's a liberal from decades ago and not a liberal from today. Meaning she still thinks that the argument men can't have babies. And so men can't have an opinion on abortion. She thinks that still is coherent in the new leftist view of the world. But the new leftist view of the world is a transgender view of the world in which we are told that men can have babies and can have a uterus and do have eggs. So that part is going to fall flat with some of the younger viewers, but the cackling boomer hens who are watching the show, they will, they will love that. Uh, Then uh, she moves on and she does this thing that liberals do. And I bet it's sincere, but it's so stupid, which is she says, look, I have no problem 
okay, if you oppose abortion. That's fine. That's to- I, I'm so open-minded. I respect your opinion. But the minute that you do anything about that, the, the minute you let your view of abortion affect anything in your life or the outer world, then I've got a big problem with it. I don't, I don't mind if you have that view so long as you keep it trapped in your head and never, <laughs> never allow that to, uh, to express itself in, in public life. How dare you, men and pro-lifers, how dare you? How dare I? How dare I? I will, t- I will tell you how I dare. I am a citizen so I have rights, at least in theory, to participate in the government of this country. I have a brain. I have faculties of reason. So I can tell that a baby is a baby, that a baby is a unique human life from the moment of conception. And I have a conscience, at least some, something of a functioning conscience. So I know that it's wrong to kill innocent humans. That is how I dare those three things. Self-government, the ability to perceive the world with at least some degree of accuracy, and the ability to make moral judgments. That's, that's the same way that Whoopi dare make some arguments, except she is denying my right as a citizen. She is neglecting and, and trying to deny the scientific reality of the baby. And she is obtusely ignoring the moral reality of killing a baby. That's how. Now, there's kind of a a deeper aspect to Whoopi's stupid remarks, which is, she says, how do you know what the fetus wants? The the fetus, the unborn baby, is not conscious. The baby could not tell you what the baby wants. This morning, I was having breakfast with my baby. My baby is almost 11 months old, but he's still not really talking. He says, mama and dada. And he didn't like what we had for breakfast. And all he wanted to do was eat blueberries. I wish that I could have asked my little baby, hey, little baby, what, what do you want to have for breakfast instead? But I, he can't articulate his wants. And he's an 11 month old baby, really a 20 month old baby when you factor in the nine months that he was gestating. So surely a six month old baby in the womb can't articulate what it wants. So how do you know what the baby wants? How do you know the baby doesn't want to be murdered in the womb and then scooped out by some psycho doctor? How do you know that? I actually do know that the baby doesn't want that. The way that I know that is because in my understanding of the world, which is the traditional understanding of the world that crafted our country and our entire civilization, Man has a proper end. There is a purpose to life. There is, uh, the, the leftist tears tumbler is for drinking leftist tears out of. Delicious. The leftist tears tumbler is not for hitting a baseball. The leftist tears tumbler is not for writing a novel. That's not its proper end. And man has a proper end too. And society has a proper end too. And we can know actually what is good for people. And we can know what leads to flourishing. And we can know what is just and right. And in the radical subjectivist world of Whoopi Goldberg, and I don't mean to just single out her and the view and all these libs who are making these arguments, you can't know the proper end of man. And so it's all just willfulness. And if we want to kill the baby, how dare you tell me that I'm not allowed to pursue my will? You can remember a time when people were not this morally stupid, but, but it's hard to remember, which is why when you want to preserve your most cherished memories, I would recommend you check out Paint Your Life. One of my most cherished possessions is a painting of Paint Your Life. 
At paintyourlife.com, you can have an original painting done by a world-class artist, done by hand from any photo or multiple photos even, at an incredibly affordable price. I was skeptical. I figured the quality would be terrible and there was no way you could, you could actually get a beautiful work of art from a service such as this. And I was dead wrong. So the first time I had one done for my stepbrother's wedding and I got it and it was so unbelievable that I was angry that I was giving it to him. So then I had one done myself. It's hanging in my living room. It's absolutely beautiful. The artists work with you every step of the way. A wonderful way to preserve a memory of a loved one who's no longer with you, a pet, a special place. Have it done. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a work of art to enrich your life uh, for generations. At paintyourlife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded, guaranteed. Right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting, which is incredible, plus free shipping. To get the offer, text Michael to 64000. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L. Text it to 64000. Text Michael to 64000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. I was thinking about this, this Dobbs case, which is going to dominate our political discourse all the way up through the midterms probably no matter how the case turns out, especially if, if they overrule Roe and Casey, this is going to be a dominant issue, at least in the messaging of the campaigns. If we fail to overrule Roe and Casey, probably the right wing is going to say that the conservative movement is a failure and, and they're going to try to create something from scratch. But this is going to dominate. I thought, why, why are we always speaking past each other here? And why, why does the pro-abortion side why does the pro-abortion side ascribe such bad intentions to the pro-life side, that we hate women and we're misogynists and all, all this? Whereas the pro-life side, I think, just believes the pro-abortion side is deluded and has been led astray by Satan, right? But it's usually through their own ignorance. I, was, I supported abortion for my teenage years until, I'm trying to remember when I got woke on abortion. I was probably 20 or 21. I was having lunch with a bioethicist, and she started to convince me that my arguments were insane. And I started to see the light. So I I understand how people can be on the pro-abortion side. I think the hardest thing for pro-abortion people to get about the pro-lifers is that we treat abortion with both more gravity and less gravity than they do. What I mean by that is we, we treat it obviously with more gravity because we recognize the enormity of the crime and sin of abortion. But we treat it with less gravity because we tend to believe in God. We tend to believe in Jesus. We tend to believe in the unfathomable mercy and grace of God by which you can be forgiven even for so enormous a sin. And the libs generally deny that. But what, what the libs have done, and especially in the case of abortion, is replace the Christian moral vision, Christianity, which has prohibited abortion from the first century. <laughs> Going back to the very earliest days of the church, you see it in the Didache, the earliest catechism from the second century. Uh, they've replaced the Christian moral vision with their own willfulness, right? Instead of thy will be done, as you say in the Our Father prayer, the, the libs say my will be done. This is, this is like in uh, Milton's Satan. In, in John Milton wrote Paradise Lost and his character of Satan is cast down into hell and he says, well, it's not such a big deal. Who cares if I lost heaven? The mind is its own place and can make a hell of heaven or heaven a hell. It doesn't matter that I'm in hell right now. It's just the mind. It's all just in the mind. And so I am going to craft my own reality. Sound familiar? I'm going to craft, I'm going to deny the reality in front of me. I'm going to construct my own reality. And it doesn't work. Everywhere Milton's Satan turns is more wrath and more despair. It doesn't work when people deny 
the reality. I'm a, if I'm a man, I'm a man, but I'm really a woman. I'm, and I am you, I, I, who are you fooling? Who are you trying to convince? The more, those people who were protesting for abortion the other day, who were screaming and shrieking and taking either real or pretend abortion pills and yelling and shouting and pulling their hair out. Did they look happy? Did they look contented? Did they look like they believed the nonsense that they were spewing? No, not at all. And, and I, th- I think what motivates their fear for, of acknowledging moral reality is they fear that by acknowledging moral reality, they'll have to face their sins, which is true, and they're going to have to suppress some of their base desires, their disordered desires, which is also true. And they think this is going to be a big burden, and so they just keep their heads in the sand. But the irony is, it will relieve your burdens if you acknowledge reality. Uh, obviously on the issue of abortion, but even beyond that, even on the issue, I don't know, sexual confusion or political confusion, I think a lot of people feel guilty that they had abortions because a lot of people have had abortions and they think, I can't become pro-life because that will mean that I have to face up to the fact that I killed my kid and I could never be forgiven for that. But the, the thing is, you actually can be forgiven for that. And in order to be forgiven for that, you need to have some sense of the sin and you need to repent. The, the irony is that you are already carrying a heavy burden, all of these people are, by the weight of their own sins. Okay, And they have no prospect for atonement until they, and, and for absolution until they, until they face up to that. But if you do face up to that, it can all go away. This is when, when Jesus says in the gospels, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's what he's talking about. And it's a, it's a misunderstanding. I wish, I wish they could get it through their heads because they're causing themselves and the country a lot of undue pain. Speaking of weird sex stuff, did you know that like everybody is gay now? Did you know like every single person, not just every single person in the country, that's not quite true, but Gen Z and the people coming after them are super duper gay and all the other like LBT, all of them. Pascal Emmanuel Gobri from the Ethics and Public Policy Center just posted this graph from Statista. Shows in 2014, uh, the percentage of the population that identified as LGBT. You saw it was little, like somewhere around 2% for the silent generation born before 1946, somewhere around 2.5% for baby boomers, somewhere around maybe 3% for Gen X, and about 6 or 7% for millennials. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Then 2017, they took the same snapshot. Remained about the same for the silent generation of the boomers and Gen X, but it went up for millennials, went up to like 8%. Then they're doing that now. It stays about the same for silent generation and Gen X and the boomers. Goes up even more to like 9.1% for millennials, 15.9% for Gen Z. I'm not denying that there is some uh, potentially natural basis for uh, sexual desires and things. You know, human beings are complicated. It's a fallen world. Everyone's got some strange sort of uh, aspects to their psyche, and especially sex is so important to human nature. But there's got to be like some kind of social factor here, right? <laughs> Unless Alex Jones is completely right, and there's just something in the water, and they're turning the frickin' frogs gay, and they're turning the frickin' zoomers gay. Clearly, there is some kind of social, philosophical, psychological, spiritual factor going on here. And I pointed out, not to castigate anything or anyone, just to point out the conservatives were right 
when, when the conservatives said this is a slippery slope and, you know, these kinds of uh, sexual ideologies are going to spread throughout the society. And then the libs said, that's not true. And that's ridiculous. And what are you talking about? It, it was true. We were, we were right. Society is never neutral. And this is a lesson, not just for the libs to learn. This is a lesson for the libertarians <laughs> to learn as well. And some of the conservatives who want to say, well, look, I'm going to do me, you do you. What you do doesn't affect me. Everyone should just do whatever they want as long as it doesn't scare the horses in the streets. It's not how it works. We live in society. We develop based on other people. Very few people in the history of the world have ever lived alone in the woods. We live in society and the way that other people behave, the way that other people structure their desires even, are going to affect everyone else. And that's why these problems are not just individual and they're not even just cultural to be addressed by the private enterprise. They're political. They're properly political as well. And to answer Whoopi Goldberg's question, how dare you espouse an opinion about this? How dare I? Because I got a brain and I got a conscience and because I am a citizen, darling. Speaking of confusion, I would recommend you go check out johnnythewalrus.com. Johnny the Walrus is Matt Walsh's masterpiece children's book about a little boy who thinks that he's a walrus. Go check out Johnny the Walrus today. Also, if you haven't already, you should go check out the new merch store over at dailywire.com slash shop. Right now, while you're there, you can get your hands on a Let's Go Brandon trucker hat. I think I have one. Oh yeah, I do. So I got, someone dropped this off the other day, the Let's Go Brandon trucker hat. This has a flat brim. I feel like I'm a rapper. Uh, they've got the Do Not Comply t-shirt. Right now, order in time for Christmas. Get a sweet discount on those Daily Wire original collections. That's dailywire.com slash shop. Go check it out immediately. We will be right back with the mailbag. Welcome back to my favorite time of the week, the mailbag. First question from Nick. Oh, no. Hi, Michael. Nick here, but not the Nick you're used to. Thank goodness. I'm glad to hear that. There's that Nick who writes in with a lot of strange questions. Uh, okay, this Nick says, honestly, I think that Nick is just Drew Clavin trying to troll you, very possibly. To my question, I have been unhappily married for years. I'm good at putting on a facade and hiding my unhappiness from everyone. I find myself leaning closer and closer to divorce. Without going into the nuanced details of my marriage, would you say that unhappiness with how I'm treated in my marriage is enough grounds for divorce? No, it's not. It's not. You're asking a Catholic this question, so something tells me you have an inkling of what I'm going to say because the Catholics say no divorce. Don't get divorced. Some marriages are not legitimate marriages in the first place, which is why you can have annulment uh, investigations. Uh, in some cases, it is prudent and even desirable. You know, it would actually be a good thing to have a kind of separation, but divorce itself is a no-no. You're not allowed to do it. And I certainly wouldn't get divorced over this issue of unhappiness unhappiness. What does that mean? I have no doubt maybe you're being treated poorly in your marriage. And you say, look, I'm very good at hiding it, but I'm going to leave my wife. What do you mean? You're, it doesn't sound like you're very good at hiding it. You're not going to be hiding it very well when you leave your wife and family, are you? I don't think so. I think it's good to not complain all the time. I think it's good to just deal with it and grow in patience. Patience is a virtue. Uh, but 
I don't think it's very virtuous if the end, end game of that is you're just going to leave your family. I don't mean to make light of you having a difficult marriage. Some people do have difficult marriages. Maybe you're being disrespected. Maybe that's because you, you are not doing something right. Maybe it's because you're not leading your household in the right way. Maybe it's because you just got a bad wife and she isn't dealing with her own problems. I don't know. What I would recommend is uh, marriage counseling, obviously. What I would recommend too, at a more basic level, is I would do the marriage counseling, but at a more basic level, I think you and your wife ought to be honest about these things. And I don't think you should just hide everything up. I think you do need to communicate. And you need to answer a really basic question. What is marriage? Maybe you guys have different views of what marriage is, and that's a big problem. And that can really harm marriages when you go into it, not, not really having the same idea of what marriage is. My view of marriage is that it is indissoluble. It is an indissoluble bond. And when I get under my wife's skin, she can't divorce me. She can murder me. She is more likely to murder me than to divorce me because we have the same idea of what marriage is. But today for a lot of people, they think marriage is just something you do and you, maybe you don't even share bank accounts and maybe you don't, I don't know, maybe you don't share all that much stuff and maybe she doesn't take your name and maybe you'll split up at some point when you don't like each other anymore. That's a kind of modern view of marriage. I mean, now marriage, marriage at a very basic level used to involve sexual difference. Now pe- some people understand marriage not even to involve that. So I think you've got to answer, what is marriage? And I would recommend, is it Matthew chapter 19? That there's that, I hope I'm not getting the chapter wrong, but uh, the chapter in the gospels where Christ describes what marriage is. That's a good place to start. And uh, I, would, I would settle on those things and I would communicate and I would lead your household. Your, your wife is called to follow you, right? And a lot of modern feminists don't like that. How dare you suggest a wife obey or submit or be subservient? How dare you, you patriarch? The man is called to love his wife. And sometimes the wife doesn't want to follow the husband. A lot of the time, probably. And sometimes the husband doesn't want to love his wife. But that's what we are called to do. And we ought to do it. From Scott. Last Sunday, I was unfortunate enough to be at a Waukesha Christmas parade with my young family and my parents. I had been to or been a participant in this parade dozens of times. And to suffice suffice it to say, this year is one that I obviously won't forget. I'm writing to you, however, to get your advice on how you would proceed if you were in my shoes. There are a lot of things about what happened that have frustrated me. Uh, many of which you and your colleagues have spoken about over the last week. But for the first time in my life, I have true hate in my heart, pure white hot hate for the man behind that wheel. I watched him tear down the street with no concern for human life. I watched his car fly within a foot of my three-year-old son and continue on his path of destruction before I could even react to grab him. The logical part of my brain knows that this hatred only serves to hurt us and never him. He and I will never be face to face. If justice serves, he'll rot in jail for the rest of his life. Uh, so in my shoes, what would you do to cure yourself of this feeling and move on? Scott from Walkshaw. Well, you understand the problem. And I'll put the problem in a really blunt way. You can't go to heaven hating people. You can't do it. You can't. It's not possible. And so unless you want to uh, burn in hell <laughs> for eternity <laughs> uh, and, and say, well, at least I've got my hate. At least I've got my resentment. At least I've got my wrath. Unless you want to do that, then you have to fix this problem. One way to do it is this. I can't imagine my reaction. If I were there and my sweet little buddy, you know, were a foot away from getting mowed down by this uh, psychopath, black nationalist terrorist, I would probably be pretty, 
pretty pissed off too. The other side of that is I would probably get down on my knees sobbing in gratitude to the Lord my God for saving my son who was within 12 inches of being mowed down by this person. Right? I think that obviously there is a component of wrath and just anger, but the flip side of that is gratitude. I'll give you a, a much, uh, much less dramatic example of this. There was one time, some years ago, right, right before my show, I think it might have been right before the blank book. I was in Los Angeles. I got a slice of pizza. I went from the office, got a slice of pizza. I was walking across the street and I was crossing uh, Ventura Boulevard right in the middle of traffic. I would, would never go to the traffic light. And I was walking across to my cigar shop there. And so I'm walking and, you know, Ventura Boulevard, there's a ton of traffic. All the cars are stopped. So I start walking in between the cars and some jerk in a BMW decides to get into the turn lane and gun it like 60 miles an hour down the turn lane so he can skip all the traffic and make a left or wherever he was going on the street. No one sees him. The cars are too packed. I'm walking out. Before I know anything, I see this car is coming. I'm holding a briefcase. My briefcase goes flying up in the air. This guy's mirror goes flying off of his car. He screeches to a halt. People pour out of their cars, including this guy who looks completely blanched, white in the face. And I'm still standing up because the briefcase was an inch in front of me and the briefcase caught the car. If I had left that pizza shop one second earlier, I would have been smushed. Certainly before my show, I think before my blank book, before anything, that would have been it. And this guy was going fast. I don't think I would have really recovered very well, if at all, from this. And uh, so in that instance, you could say, you crazy, you're not going to jump on this guy and just started beating the life out of him. Or you think, oh, thank you, Lord. Appreciate that. That was a nice bit of grace. And we recognize there before the grace of God, go I, you've done plenty of terrible things in your life. Probably never uh, mowed down a parade of people, but, and I, I don't mean to be glib about it, but, but you have done bad things in your life. And, uh, and in the course of justice, you know, rem- remember if justice be thy plea, consider this, that in the course of justice, none of us should see salvation. So I would be grateful for where you are. I would, uh, recognize that people who commit crimes do, do harm to other people and immense harm to themselves. And, uh, we have to pray for our persecutors, and that's just the way it goes. From Sarah, dear Michael, I would love some advice from a smart, put-together guy such as yourself. Go on. Go on. Stop it. Go on. I'm a woman in my late 20s and live a pretty good life, all things considered. I like my job for the most part, but I feel like I'm not fully happy with what I'm doing. I have friends and enjoy life, but feel a little lost and don't know exactly what I want to do with my life, specifically work. I know you'll probably say, go get married and have babies, but I am certainly not ready for that stage in my life, but would love to, to know how you figured out what you wanted to do with your career and how I can find that clarity. Sarah, oh, Sarah, you called it. You should go get married and have babies. You should, you should. No, Michael, I'm not ready for that. I'm only in my late twenties. Sarah, come on. What are you waiting for? You're when I'm in my early 30s, I'll be ready. When I'm in my late 30s, when I'm in my early 50s, I'll be ready. Come on, sir. What are you talking about? I'm not saying you necessarily have to get married. You could discern a religious vocation. You could become a nun. You could uh, engage in and begin the process of consecrated single life. Plenty of people do that. It's, these days, it's not really talked about in society, but you could do that. Marriage is not for everybody. But what I'm saying is you need to do something. 
Your problem that you're describing is that you just feel like you're floating. You just feel like you're not going anywhere. You're not, you're just kind of, ah, it's all, everything's fine. My job's, it's good. I like my job. I like my friends. I like, but I'm not, I'm not doing the next thing. I'm not moving to the next level. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. And Michael, don't tell me to go somewhere. <laughs> That's what you're saying. You're saying, hey, I'm just floating and I don't know what to do next. Don't tell me to do something next. I am telling you to do something next. Because if, if really, if all you're asking me is, Michael, how did you figure out how to advance in your career from where you were, where you were happy to where you are that you're now happier? I think, I don't know, like, you know, do spreadsheets better or whatever, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, do your job better and you'll get a promotion and you're going to be in the exact same position that you are right now. I'm not ready to move to this next stage of my life where I'm committing to get married and do anything. I'm only in my late 20s. What are you talking about? Look, I did it too. I got married in my late 20s. I wish I'd gotten married much earlier. You think you're going to lose all your freedom. You're not. You're going to gain freedom. You think you're going to lose all your opportunity. You're not. You're going to gain opportunity. When you get married, it's a commitment to another person. It's also a commitment to society. You know, it's very, actually Pope Francis talked about this the other day. He said, it's very hard to move from the fun of falling in love to a mature love. This is true with people. This is true of society. It's true of your career. This is true of uh, this is true of your God sometimes. We like falling in love. And then it kind of fizzles six months later, and then we swipe right and just keep doing that. And you do that into your late 20s and your 30s, and then, okay, then it kind of wears off, doesn't it? Move on, move on to the mature love, Sarah. You can do it. Do not be afraid. Fear not. You can do it. You'll be a lot happier. From Joe, Almighty Professor Kofefe. Had a question for you that I'd love to get your take on. I'm a parent in California. My son's teacher asked that I provide her with photos of each year since my son's birth for an activity in which my son will hold a globe and walk around the sun, the sun and seasons blanket. While he's walking around the sun, the teacher and other students will be singing a particular song. Can't decide if this sounds like some new age weirdness or if I'm being too paranoid. Any thoughts on this? Thanks for everything. Love the show. Viva Kofefe. Well, it depends on what the song is. Okay, I'll put it that way. If the song is some weird prayer to Gaia or some like weird pagan goddess or something, then yeah, I guess that's kind of new agey and you shouldn't do it. But it sounds to me like what the project might be is you're just, the students have all these pictures from every year of their life and they're describing the revolutions around the sun and they're understanding it in terms of how they're getting older. And that seems perfectly reasonable to me and perfectly interesting. So I would, uh, yeah, I, would, I, I think it's fine. Figure out what the song is first. You got to, you know, the de- devil's in the details. From Kyle, to the best dressed host of the Daily Wire, stop it. Your dress shirts and sport coats always look great, and I was wondering where you buy them so I can pick some up as well. Thank you for all your hard work. Thank you for the question. I'd love to give you the answer, but the clothing companies that uh, provide a lot of my wardrobe do not yet uh, subsidize this show. They don't yet sponsor it. And so uh, until they do, I'm sorry, I can't give them free advertising. From Daniel, hey, Michael, if, if, as per current feminist ideology, sex work is work, uh, would it then be safe to extend that logic to it being okay to require workers to, pre- to perform sexual favors as part of the job description? I don't think the feminists will like where this leads. Yes, uh, feminism began with, hey, it's not right to sleep with your secretary, to, um, hey, it's sli- sleeping with people is real work, to now like, hey, you better sleep with your secretary. That's real work. Man, if that's where feminism went, then by golly, feminism is the greatest trick that men have ever played on women. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you on Monday. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. 
And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Hey everybody, this is Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. You know, some people are depressed because the republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on The Andrew Claven Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Claven Show and laugh your way through the fall of the republic with me, Andrew Claven. <laughs>